This is exactly right. Hi, I'm Erin Welsh. And I'm Erin Almond Updike, and we're the hosts of This Podcast Will Kill You on Exactly Right. We're back with our seventh season, which is bigger and better than ever. Because guess what? We're now a weekly show. This season, we're tackling everything from long COVID to norovirus, from the supplement industry to IVF, and so, so much more. New episodes drop every single Tuesday. Follow This Podcast Will Kill You wherever you get your podcasts. The true crime a comedy podcast that you've heard about from your friends. That's right. That's Karen Kilgariff. That's Georgia Hardstar. We sound exactly the same right now, but pretty soon you'll get it. Yeah, because it's actually not exactly the same in any way. <laughs> nope. We're incredibly different. So uh, different. Vocally. Uh, maybe we're from the same state. Sure. Maybe you have the same accent. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, do we like vocal fry? Hell yes. Yes, are we, we do. Are we pushing it more than ever before? <laughs> yes. It's a selling point. <laughs> yeah, girl. I just belched at Georgia while smiling and pretending I was about to say something. Ew, I was not buying it, which is why I screamed so loud. Please <laughs> don't play that. Steven, Steven, please mute the. Steven, please. Actually, will you just put a beep like it's a weird. No, no, leave the burp in. Leave me screaming oh. the microphone <laughs> off, is what I'm saying. I thought you were asking to be. No, I would never censor your burps. Are you kidding me? I live for them. Um, You censor your burps, though. I do. Because there's so many. And it almost seemed like <laughs> aggressive at, at one point. You know what I mean? Like, she's doing that on purpose. When really just she's have, just doing it for attention. Just my gut microbes <laughs> are like overflowing with, with joy. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. 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 Yeah, you seem good. Thank you. Oh, really? Uh-huh. Oh. To me. In what way? Uh, calm, easygoing. Really? Kind of like, what? Okay. I mean, well, I'm not. That's fine with me. A lot of that kind of stuff. <laughs> oh, cool. Yeah, it's nice. I like it. Interesting. I'm, I'm, work- going- I'm working on matching your energy. Okay. <laughs> Is it, I think it's my big sweater energy. That Well, and I should mention that you did offer to give me that sweater. I said I might. <laughs> <laughs> It's Georgia has the best sweater on right now because it's cable knit. It's a cardigan, black, but it has silver threads in it. And it's like loose. It's not my style at all. And I saw it in a, on a website and I specifically bought it for podcasting. Yeah. I was like, that is a great podcast sweater. Cozy, kind of like, yeah. it's an outfit, but it, you don't have to commit. It feels like I'm wearing a, like I'm in a blanket at home. Yep. But I'm in the studio where I don't live. You're saying get your, get your own sweater. Karen. No. No, yeah, I think it. Yeah, if it if it works, okay. Yeah, don't doubt it. All right, uh, you get to be comfortable. Thank you, thank you for that. No problem. Hold on. Yeah, get it on the record. Take that off. Do not take it off. <laughs> that one was. Uh, that one was like low and slow. Yeah, that one was like <laughs> like foul in like a little guttural. Oh, Uh-oh. sorry. <laughs> Did you hear that, Stephen? No. I, I slapped the table and all the audio went out for me and Georgia. <laughs> Plug our things in. Can you hear yourself? 
Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, we're in. Um, let me talk about the Exactly Right Network and what you what you can look forward to right now. This is uh George's podcast guide. Don't don't press fast forward because this is good shit too. Yeah, there's our upcoming other shows. Sometimes there's people that tweet at us and say, excuse me, I just listened to the whole um all every episode. Now what do I do? Oh well, here's your answer. Oh. Here's what you do. Oh. Right? Handpicked by us. So the fall line, incredible podcast. Their new season starts on the 12th, which is two days ago. Two days ago? Yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. Uh, And they're doing the Beaufort County Jane Doe the whole season. It's going to be really good. Um, This podcast will kill you. Everyone's fucking favorite (laughs) podcast about infectious diseases. Who doesn't want to hear about it? Um, They're doing a coronavirus special. Yes, they are. Which is really exciting. It's topical. Uh, It's the the fear on every uh, everyone's lips these days. And it's all in the news. Um, And the ladies are going to break down the coronavirus for you. It's exciting. Murder Squad did a Jean Benet special. Oh, also on Murder Squad on the 17th, Phoebe fucking Judge. Phoebe Judge comes through. Uh, And then the next... That's criminal. It's criminal. That's criminal. How much we love her. (laughs) And then on the 24th, fucking Josh Mankiewicz. Sweet. Our, our personal friend. The greatest. From on. Dateline. You know him. You love him from Dateline. That's right. Josh Mankiewicz will be on Murder Squad. That's right. And They've got a, quite a lineup coming. They do. Um, the Percast has the, well, hi, <laughs> cat on. The Southern uh, Gentle Lady If you cat. haven't seen it, just look up, well, hi, cat. Yeah. And you'll just have the best time. The and best. then, oh, my God, on the 19th, the Percast is having celebrity Jackson Galaxy, cat celebrity for all us cat people, <laughs> Jackson freaking Galaxy. Do you want to tell us about Do You Need a Ride and what's on that? Oh, uh, the great podcast? James Fritz, one of the great um, L.A. stand-ups. Everyone here knows, loves, and worships him. He does incredible work uh, in the comedy field, and he is our guest, and he's so hilarious. He it's such a fun chilled out he just he had just come home um from spending the holidays with his family in chicago is he a chicago dude no he is i believe kentucky and it, he had a dark time but then we're all in the car together it's really real and funny and as sad as it is great and he's just the funniest person i really love him love it yeah so that's what's going on on exactly right network that's right um, so tune in lots of and there's so much exciting stuff <gasps> we so, say we're this so too. close we're, so, we're there actually we had to work on a press release last night yeah. of the new shows that are about to come out that's how real they are they're super real and they're right on the verge so oh um we will of course keep you updated but there's some we have two podcasts coming out in the next couple months and uh, even more slated on the way mm-hmm. so just hang in there because we have um, all your new favorite new podcasts that you haven't heard of yet coming that's right 2020 is the year of exactly right that's that's true <laughs> and if I may if we can do just a tad just dip into the podcast recommendation area yeah <laughs> you barf through your fingers <laughs> through my sweater and then I give you my sweater oh here here's I that sweater you wanted this. um <laughs> I just wanted to say my friend Carrie O'Donnell is a guest host on a podcast called Sexy Unique Podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's hosted by a woman named Lara Marie 
Schoenhals, mm-hmm. I believe that's how you pronounce her last name. Okay. And basically, um, she started it as a, I believe it was a Vanderpump Rules recap podcast. Wow. But now they have gone, they have gone out. So she has lots of different co-hosts. I started listening because my friend Carrie O'Donnell is, um, hilarious and great. He's on Twitter. So they did like season two of the Real Housewives of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. They do Real Housewives. They do Vanderpump, obviously. They do, they, there's a show called Gallery Girls that used to be on that they have done the entire season of. Wow. Right now I'm listening to them covering Lohan Beach Club, I b- believe. Was I didn't an, know that was a thing. It was an MTV show. I think it was a year ago or, I like or that. so. Old stuff. They, and here's what's funny. I don't watch any of these shows. A reality me TV neither. makes me very uncomfortable and it makes me feel like I have to get up and start producing these people. Like it, <laughs> it makes me feel like it's my job yeah. to make it work. Yeah. And I, it stresses it me out. We all, we all talked and agreed that <laughs> you are responsible. Why do you have a clipboard if you're not going to produce? Truly. Um, so I can't watch it, but I realize listening to these two hilarious people recap and yeah. do the voices of um, the Real Housewives of New Jersey Amazing. or the, or Lindsay Lohan. Yeah. It's one of the funniest podcasts. Excuse um, me. Uh, it's one of <laughs> the second. It's one of the second funniest podcasts. <laughs> it's it's just so delightful, and I've really been um, doing that thing where it's like I'm I am. It feels like I'm spending time with my friends, but Love it's it. it's actually me just listening to this. So it's called Sexy Unique Podcast. If you're into reality shows at and comedy, this is definitely the podcast for you because the way they discuss everything it's really hilarious but then it gets very thoughtful like they they flame people and they like definitely shit on behavior but then they start talking about why people are doing what they're doing i gotta listen to though because i don't watch any of i mean the last one i watched was like rich girls remember that with fucking hilfiger tommy hilfiger's daughter (laughs) remember that from like the early 2000s was that did that get filmed in la no that was so new york okay it was so good yeah that sounds good i need to listen listen to stuff like that without having to watch that shit because I love like Bachelor recaps on like BuzzFeed or whatever but I don't want to watch it no I can't I genuinely suffer when I watch reality TV it embarrasses me I get embarrassed in my living room but to listen to my funny friends or my one funny friend that I know in real life and though my other funny friend that I don't actually I never met her um, but they do these voices like everything about it is just very enjoyable so if you're looking for something that's very different than true crime very different than any of that stuff but you're into reality tv i think sexy unique podcast is for you i love it speaking of reality tv i watched the new ted bundy special oh yes shockingly i watched it with vince who's like not he can't do that normally he can't so but he i was like can we just put this on it's we just interviewed the amazing director and producer and creator trish wood it's uh ted bundy falling for a killer yeah and it's just interviews with the women who are involved in the case and so i really wanted to watch it from that angle so i put one episode on i was like let's just watch this and then later he was like we had watched one episode only and he was like let's put that show on and i was like what show and he's like that Dahmer show (laughs) (laughs) like he doesn't even know what serial killer it is but it was so good and the daughter of um his girlfriend liz that lived with him when she was a little girl yeah she is 
so incredible as played by Renee Zellweger for sure. But like a <laughs> in punk, the future film, in the future film, a yeah. punk rock Renee Zellweger. Yeah. And I just fucking loved her. They're so strong. And, it, you know, everyone in the whole show is just they're incredible women. Well, and it's such a cool thing. You know, we had a long, long conversation with Trish, but it all got edited yeah. down to a very short thing. Yeah. But um, maybe we'll make yeah. that available. Yeah. It was just such a fascinating thing to actually discuss with the, you know, creator director about looking at it feels like this is the trajectory true crime the culture of true crime interest mm-hmm. is now taking because the majority of the audience is women mm-hmm. and the interest has to do with being kind of being a woman yeah. and the the idea that we're now taking these things and instead of the strange um attention that we're paying to the the perpetrators right. of the crime instead we can't identify with at all in any way which is part of the fascination is what type of monster is that right. i want to be able to recognize that totally whatever and but instead to look at these women who uh the the ones who did survive what they go through what mm-hmm. that's like and the strength that they seem that they're they have from somewhere right, right. to to not only continue to live but thrive and help others. That's right. I mean, it's just that that's the best story that can be told. Absolutely. So it's so cool that it's being told around this such a dark, um, horrible kind of subject matter. Yeah, a hundred percent. She really. Trish Wood really pulled it out there, yeah. you know, really got a story going that hasn't been, should have been. But also, I think people were very respectfully keeping their distance, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it's like it had to be their decision. Totally. There's something about the sound of an old timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com murder and here's the important note that promo code is all lowercase so go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level that's shopify.com slash murder again don't forget the code is all lowercase goodbye if you're like me you're always looking for a story to dive into whether it's a family drama or a mystery to solve the key to getting hooked is the details i need rich visuals and intricate storylines and june's journey has that and more june's journey is a mobile mystery game that follows june parker a daring young woman on a quest to uncover the truth about her sister's murder this is your chance to test your detective skills because you'll play the game as june herself 
Explore beautifully designed scenes from the 1920s, like lavish estates and gardens. And don't forget to keep an eye out for hidden clues. There are twists, turns, and catchy tunes, all leading you deeper into the thrilling storyline. And if you play well enough, you could make it to the detective club. There, you'll chat with other players and compete with or against them. June needs your help, but watch out. You never know which character might be a villain. Shocking family secrets will be revealed, but will you crack the case? Find out as you escape this world and dive into June's world of mystery, murder, and romance. It's all just one tap away. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. That's June's Journey. Download the game for free on iOS and Android. Goodbye. Okay. Tell me a story. I'm going to tell you a story. Okay. I'm going to tell you about the mysterious death of Davina Buff Jones. Okay. I got information from articles from Forbes. There's an article by Stacy Dietrich. Stacy Dietrich. Mm -hmm. uh, a Charlotte Magazine article by Adam Rue. And of course, our friend Reddit. And then also <laughs> our bros over at Generation Y Podcast. Yeah. Let me first start by telling you about a little place called Baldhead Island. <sighs> Is my dad there? I told you I didn't want to talk about him anymore. He's there with my husband, and they're having a grand old time. And a lot of people we know, actually. That's right. Um, so it's pretty hot. It's a hot island. You have to it's a pretty it. hot island. It's kind of attractive. I noticed that island the moment I walked in <laughs> that bar. Baldhead Island is on the southern tip of North Carolina's Cape Fear Coast. Yes. Which means nothing to you and I from Southern California, but I think a lot of people, it means something to them. Probably their grandparents uh, went there. I maybe they saw the movie with Robert De Niro. <laughs> or maybe they saw the movie, the fucking Tour de Force 1989 movie, Weekend at Bernie's, which was filmed there. <laughs> Are you serious? I swear to God. Oh, I bet you that's like a, that's a deep cut, like, um, film nerd piece of information yeah. where it's like, you know, where Weekend at Bernie's was filmed? Cape Fear. That's right. That's amazing. So, uh, yeah, it was filmed there. And in the movie, as you know, um, they go to this island and there's like rich people in one per It's like, that's the theme of the movie. Okay. And it's totally accurate. I'm sorry. Um, Weekend at Bernie's was filmed on Baldhead Island or Cape Fear? Baldhead Island. Oh, got it. So got the it. place we're talking about. Got it. Um, so it's a place for one percenters, million dollar plantain style beachfront homes, like fucking plantation. <laughs> what did I say? Plantain. <laughs> I wrote plantation. It's not plantain style. That would be gross. <laughs> it's a delicious little banana that's been fried up. Oh, a little sour cream. Truly love them. A little creme fraiche on there. The more problematic plantation style mansion. That's right. Got you. You know, in that style of fucking rich people sure um the island it's only accessible by a 20 minute ferry ride it's that kind of place and it's according to the website it's twelve thousand acres total and ten thousand of those acres are are just beach marsh and forest preserves so wow. it's not built up people love the nature and you know those things that money can buy and you're free to be bald-headed if you That's want right. to it must be nice they, they are almost insisting don't wear that hat yeah we celebrate you here show it to the world the islands has a small year-round population but then of course there's tons of vacationers who have their vacation homes there and they love the island has these beautiful sand dunes it's got spanish moss on trees the air is all lovely and salt spanish water. moss just kind of hung on a wire that's right <laughs> on the ground yeah just laying there spanish moss doesn't grow on the ground right i mean you can't imagine okay uh so since it's only 20 percent developed there's no cars allowed so everyone fucking goes around in golf carts 
Uh, I love it. Do you? I genuinely do. Okay. You can only go so fast in the golf cart. Right. But as fast as you can go is really fast for a golf cart. Sure. And so it makes it really fun. Right. Okay. That's cool. So I wasn't sure how I felt about it, but I, I can deal with that. <laughs> um, if there's a car, it's only because it's like a government person's car, like a police officer's car. So in 1999, one such officer was a 33-year-old woman named Davina Buff Jones. Okay. So Buff was her last name. Jones was her last married name. Got it. So that's her name. But she goes by D to her friends and family. Okay. Um, growing up in 1970s in Charlotte, North Carolina, D had been known as a tomboy because of her smoking, spitting, and cursing. Hey. Hi. Hi, D. Welcome. Yep. Uh, she was a scrawny teenager with a big, you know, hair, and she had a toothy smile. She look like anyone in the 70s and 80s um, growing up at that time who was named Deborah. She just yeah. looked like that with the short hair on top that was like feathered a little and the longer hair in the back that was curly. Totally. Just like, you know, pretty standard stuff. She had worked at her parents' steakhouse with her sisters in Charlotte. Her parents described her as talkative and outgoing at times, but other times hostile and withdrawn. Mm. So she kind of had a dual personality. She's a classic overshadowed middle, middle child. Ugh, that's the worst position to be in. I know. I'm sorry, in, Lee. In the birth order. Oh, yeah. truly. And I, uh, yeah, I have all the qualifications of a middle child, but I'm the youngest. Right. But I have middle child tendencies. Oh, do you? Yeah, because I got plenty of attention, but I was still like, hello, my baby. <laughs> Like, I just couldn't get enough. Um, by Dee's 30th birthday, she's been married and divorced twice. Mm. In 1994, she's charged with simple assault for, are you ready for this? Mm. Spitting on the mother of her then husband's child during an argument. Uh, look, that's a Listen. tough situation. Sure. No spitting allowed. No spitting this allowed. This is just like the pool rules always. Yeah. No bottles, no cutoffs, no running, no spitting. I think that's a great rule and you could throw no gum in there if you're one of those kind of people yeah and like maybe take a shower before you get in the pool and if you have diarrhea don't go in the pool yeah, stay out of the pool with diarrhea that's right these are this pool rules apply to all of life <laughs> that's right yeah um so in january of 1999 back on bald head island uh the 33 year old graduates from the police academy and starts working for the bald head pd where crime is like non-existent it doesn't mm -hmm. happen she's 411 and 90 pounds oh. Oh, no. So she's a teeny tiny little thing. Okay. Um, Davina is a little spitfire. <laughs> she doesn't have a golf cart. She has one of those little kids, the cars <laughs> that kids get for Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> she has two Australian shepherds named Lord Adam and Precious Queen. Oh, so they're, they have papers. She, <laughs> these are, these are breed dogs. Oh, probably. Wow. She so she has to sit on a phone book in her car to make everything work. <laughs> wow. Like, can you imagine trying to, like, have authority and then you're like, I'm out of here and then you jump on a phone book. That's, like, that's gotta be hard. That's where the spitting comes in. Yeah, like, you're gotta be, you gotta be pretty tough to be taken seriously at 4.11, I feel like. True. As, especially as a cop. Very much you so. Know? Yeah. Um, she gets assigned to work with uh, Keith Kane. He's a former truck driver who had been on the force less than a year. He's seven feet tall. They're the perfect <laughs> combination. Yeah. So, but, she, you know, like many first year cops, she is a rule follower. She doesn't believe in bending the rules for anyone and for the rich people who could name drop on the island and who were contributors to political bullshit. Yeah. Of course, they didn't like that. She'd be writing them a citation and they'd be like, do you know who I am? And she'd be like, I don't give a shit and give them a citation anyways. Okay. Just imagine. Yeah. Bald head island. Yeah. For the one percenters. 
every goddamn asshole on that island is do you know do you know who I am? Right. And none of them stop at a fucking stop sign. You know that on their golf in their golf cart. No, they slide on through. They're always three gin and tonics in. Oh my they're God. like they're living their life, oxycontin here, oxycontin there. Sure. They're not ones to be corrected Absolutely or disciplined not. in any way. That's yeah. a nightmare. Yeah. Um so she refuses to you know, it's tear up citation and bend and that kind of thing. And so locals on the island start complaining about her. It's she's kind of hassled a lot. It seems like in, in the short time she's a cop there. Yeah. Um, by fall of 1999, Davina is unhappy with the whole situation. And she starts sending out her resume to police departments across North Carolina, hoping to find a new job, mm. which has to suck. Yeah. On the night of uh, October 22nd, 1999, Davina is doing a routine patrol with her partner, Keith. Uh, they return to the station. And as Keith explains, Dee unexpectedly is like, I'm going to go out on patrol. And he's like, why don't you just wait for me? And she's like, no, 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 I wanna, I'm just going to go. Mm. So she heads out. It's possible that she just wanted to be alone so she could make a phone call, which she does at about 11.19 p.m. at a payphone at the marina. The call is to her ex-boyfriend, who had just broken up with her that week. So she probably wanted to go out, call him, be alone. Yeah. She showed up at his place drunk a couple nights before, um, which was totally out of character for her. She apologizes to him on the phone and tells him she wants to stay friends. He wants to stay friends, too. It seems pretty like an uh, amicable split. Okay. The call lasts a couple of minutes and she says she'll talk to him later. And then she goes back out on the road patrolling. She heads towards the island's lighthouse known as Old Baldy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. Yeah. It's a theme. Yeah. Um, it's just decorative. It doesn't actually fucking work. Oh. Um, at 1148, so she radios into dispatch, says through the, what is it called? Radio. Radio. <laughs> she says that she's out with three people. Basically, she says, show me out with three. Please stand by. So it's basically, I've come upon three people. Stand by. Mm. Maybe she's still in her car, like about to, you know, get out of her car. Maybe she's on on foot and like comes across three people. But that's what she calls in. Okay. And then she uh, leaves her mic open, so it's she doesn't have to press on it anymore. And then there's another transmission over her open mic where she calmly but firmly says, and there's you can hear this online. There ain't no reason to have a gun here on Bald Head Island. Okay. You want to put down the gun? Come on, do us a favor and put down. And then there's a high-pitched squeal. It's like feedback. You know, Mm. when we get too close on the mics and it fucking does that awful feedback. You hear that, the signal breaks up, and that's it. That's all you hear. Except Generation Y, when they played it, they kept playing it. And you can hear a voice that says, oh, Lord, oh, my God, oh, my... Like, you can hear a woman's... It's probably her saying that. Oh. And they, I hadn't heard it anywhere else. And there's not a lot of articles about this or videos. So the fact that they were they found that is pretty interesting. That's very cool. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you don't hear any other voices. You don't hear anyone yelling at her. It's just her voice saying that. Okay. All right? Yeah. Okay. So after hearing her radio transmission, her partner, Keith, runs out to try to track her down. She hadn't said where she was. And uh, he's driving around for about 15 minutes, and then he comes upon her white pickup truck at the Old Baldy Lighthouse. He, The truck is sitting at the end of an alley. It's backed into a dead end about 20 yards from where the street ended and the sand dunes and, and trees started. The truck's lights are on and the engine is running. Ooh. And her flashlight is on the seat, which he says she always took with her when she got out of the car at night. So next to her truck, Keith find, 
finds Dee's body laying face down near the base of the lighthouse by a white picket fence. Oh, no. I know. She has a single gunshot wound to the back of her head, and her forty caliber Glock duty pistol is near her right hand. Oh, wow. Yeah. So, Keith checks her pulse. He doesn't find one. He calls in the rescue unit, and then he um, he mo- he takes her gun, he picks it up, and puts it back in her truck, like on the ground of her truck, which seems weird, right? Yeah, I can see my logic of that would be, I don't know who's around here and I don't want anyone to pick up her gun. That's exactly what he okay. said was the reason. Okay. But it also disturbed a crime scene. Yes. But I'm sure he's panicking at this point. His partner is on the ground. He doesn't know what's going on. And I bet you there are very few murders on Bald Head Island. Exactly. If, if even... And if a police officer is just like... Yeah, this is this is a, this is unlike anything they deal with on a daily basis. Right. So, um, okay, here's fucking crazy. The only available backup arrives. It's volunteer fire chief Kent Brown and two EMS workers. One of those EMS workers had had a sexual harassment um, complaint filed against him recently, I think mm. the week before, by Davina Buff Jones. Uh oh. So he's one of the people who show up on the fucking scene. The men lift her body onto a gurney and transport it to the ferry dock, which I totally don't understand because she has no pulse. She's dead. You should leave the crime scene as it is. But they take her to the ferry, I think, thinking to, to take her across to the mainland. A hospital. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But they leave her body there uncovered and totally exposed to the elements for the ferry. Yeah. So there's just no, nobody has any sense of how crime scenes are processed or anything. Wait, it gets worse. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. Meanwhile, at the scene, there's a bloody palm print on the back of Davina's truck. There's drag marks. There's blood spatter evidence. But none of this is preserved because there's a wedding of a prominent Bald Island family scheduled to start in just a few hours. And so at the chapel next to the lighthouse. So the volunteer fire chief thinks the prominent family shouldn't have to look at this crime scene. So he orders the whole crime scene to be hosed down with a fire hose. Uh, This happens a lot in these stories where you think and it's easy for us. 2020 hindsight, except it's 2020 and it's 2020. 2020, I'm Barbara Walters. This is 2020. (laughs) But how this is going to hold up in three years. No one gives a shit about that. Right. Like, I bet you if you asked the family, they would have been like, yeah. we would never want a crime scene hosed down. Totally. Just because people, you know, like, yeah. the the logic behind that is so strangely self-serving. Yeah. And and just, ba- it's a bad move. Well, it's also suspicious as fuck. It's so suspicious. It adds so much to totally. that. Exactly. Yeah. To be like, we can't trust anybody that's running stuff on this island. Right. Police Chief Karen Grasty, she orders the scene contained until the State Bureau of Investigation could arrive. And she's reportedly told twice to go home and shut up. Quote. By who? The the fire chief? I guess so. Ooh. Uh-huh. When Telling. The, when the uh, medical examiner finally conducts her autopsy later that morning, after she hasn't been, you know, uh, properly, uh, her body hasn't been properly stored to preserve evidence, right. um, he writes a four-page report that's incomplete, inconsistent, and factually incorrect in some places. For example, the head wound diagram, he draws a rough circle behind and slightly below her right ear, even though the wound is, and this isn't disputed, the wound is actually the very center of the back of her head. 
I mean, yeah. So the ME later blames his errors on a lack of sleep and a rush to move quickly to provide information to investigators. Like they were like, we need it. Almost like they need to wrap this up because we don't want the residents of Bald Head Island to be freaked out that there's a murder on the loose. You know, I mean, there's a real issue. This it's a real issue with rich people. <laughs> They're a real problem. Yeah. In this country. Oh my God. Seriously. But, but also that doesn't really hold up again. If it say if this was IBM uh-huh. and this was the way you were doing your job. So you're hurrying up to give incorrect information. Right. Like you're hurrying up to get this information in that won't help anything. Right. Because you're actually screwing the case up more. Or it's almost like you know what they want the end result to be, which is whatever ruling is. And so you're hurrying through it because you don't, you're not actually looking at any evidence. You're getting to the conclusion that they they want you to. Yeah. Um, It's all so, I mean, they're all drawing suspicion down on themselves. A hundred percent. The death was at the time immediately determined to be a homicide. But two weeks later, Brunswick District Attorney Rex Gore determines the cause of death to be suicide. Oh, no. So two theories about Davina's death emerged, homicide or suicide. Okay, so I'm going to give you the case for homicide. There were allegations of large drug transactions happening on the island. Shallow, there were like these inlets and hidden creeks that traffickers used to make drops of weed and coke. Almost it sounds like, remember in Bloodline when they would be going through the little... Yes. It's like that kind of thing. The, uh, like a swamp kind of. Yeah. Maybe. <laughs> um Ten years earlier, in August of 1988, a vacationer, a fucking jogging down the old beach or whatever, finds a soggy pillowcase near the water, and in it is eight kilos of coke, <laughs> which is worth about three million on the street. So they dragged that pillowcase up onto their own porch. <laughs> so they kept running and mat- minded their own fucking business <laughs> yeah, really. and don't get involved. <laughs> yep. You know what I mean? I see no pillowcase. I feel like, what would you do? I would I would not touch it and I would uh, anonymously call the police. Let's see. I would look in there. I would see it was coke. Uh-huh. And then I would duck and run mm-hmm. because that's there. The only thing that's going to happen after you discover three million dollars worth of coke is someone's going to come for it. Right. So you don't want any part of that. You don't. Even though you think I could make some money off this. No, you can't. I could have a great weekend. No, none of those things are going to happen. This isn't weekend at Bernie's, everyone. No. Stop your being immature. Boss is dead. Stop it. Why do we have to keep telling you these things? <laughs> the week Davina died, she had told her dad that she wanted to look into the drug uh, activity on the island. <sighs> like she, you know, she, she, she wanted to be a cop and she wanted to do it well. So she was like, I'm going to look into this. She told him she arranged a meeting with the sheriff's investigator who handled narcotics cases. Like she was in, into it. She wanted to go undercover to help track down drug runners and distributors. And she had also told her ex-boyfriend a few months before she died that, quote, she got information that they were making big drug deals down by the lighthouse, mm. not quarter bags. He said kilos, big suitcases of money were being transferred. Okay. Yeah. But I mean, you can't, you know, it's noble intentions. Yes. You cannot do it by yourself. Yeah. I mean, you just can't. And that's like, you know. Well, it doesn't sound like she was. It sounds like she was trying to get involved in it. But who knows? It could go all the way to that. 
Well, and also, you know? she, but she went by herself, so right. she didn't even include her partner. Right. She didn't have co- backup or anyone covering her. But she could have just been doing simple patrolling. You know? True, true. It might, she might not have expected to come upon anything. I'm just saying, just watch Beverly Hills Cop because true. that's then you watch a, a renegade. That's true. Who who gets into the middle of drug dealing? It's it ends bad. That's you a, you need ju- your friend Judge Reinhold to work in the Beverly Hills Cop. Cop department. Everyone needs a Judge Reinhold. We, we always said that. We always do. You guys won't listen to us. Just check your exhaust pipe for a banana. That's all I'm saying. <gasps> oh, that scared me so much as a kid. I was like, anyone can put a banana in a exhaust pipe? Sure. Okay. It also came out that at 6 a.m. the morning after Davina's death, three men had been discovered trying to sneak off the island via fi- the ferry. They had been briefly questioned and released. And then when Chief Grasty, she attempts to re-interview them later, she's given a stern warning to, quote, just let it lie. She's told the men are, quote, good Christians and not considered suspects. They're good Christian drug dealers. Who are sneaking off an island at 6 a.m. Who, because they killed somebody. Right. Jizo. Allegedly. Allegedly. Doing her own investigation, Grasty finds that the men have cr- all have criminal records over 48 pages long. Ooh. So they're not who you think you, they are. And you should have fucking looked into them either way. Yeah. Grasty believes that Davina interrupted a drug transaction and was killed as a result. Mm-hmm. So it's found that the bullet that killed Davina came from her own gun. There are no identifiable prints on the weapon of at all. Of course not, because it got touched and picked up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Davina was wearing fingerless gloves at the time, and they do find some particles of gunshot residue on the back of her right glove, but it could have come from when she's at a shooting range or whatever. It didn't, it didn't say it was like recent from that moment exactly so there are theories about how davina could have fired her oh god this is so fucking crazy so there are theories about how she could have fired her gun into the set the back of her head of the center and you should have seen vince and i on sitting there on the couch and i'm like do you think you could shoot yourself in the back of the head no way and it was just this weird conversation (laughs) that i would never expect to have with my husband but there's yeah he was like there's no way you could do that Uh, and and also just there's no reason to do it if you're Wow. I can tell you. I'll tell you what they are. are, uh, What the reasons are? Yeah. Okay. So basically, let me just finish this. The trajectory of the bullet is up and to the left from the center of her head, which means that she did fire the gun. She wasn't holding it upside down. So the theory is that she was basically you hold a gun in front of you facing you and you put both of your hands over your head and point it to the back of your head with your hands with the gun upside down. Right. That's their theory. And that's how you could have possibly shot yourself in the back of the head. But then the problem is that the shell casing would should have gone to the left and it said it went to the right. So mm-hmm. it just doesn't make any and she, you know, it doesn't make any sense. Also just trying to move your arms yeah. like that. I don't I don't know. Plus she was four eleven, so we gotta assume she had really small hands. Right. So that's a big old fucking Glock. You know, being able to do that. Also, if you're trying to kill yourself, if that is what you're actually trying to do, you're not going to do it in a way that might just leave you very uh, brain damaged. You're going to put the gun in your mouth. Right. But that's okay. Yes. So there's an argument to that. The case for suicide, which is why would she have staged her own suicide to look like a homicide? Oh, so it's uh, families of police officers killed in the line of duty are entitled to death benefits and payouts. But police officers who um, take their own lives are not eligible. Okay. But the thing is, her 
she didn't have children. Her parents, her sisters were all doing fine. They didn't need the money. It wasn't like, you know, some scam like that. Right. Um, those who believe the suicide theory point to the fact that between 1994 and 1998, Davina had received over 100, 170 outpatient treatments for, quote, adjustment disorder with mixed emotional fears and chronic depression. That sounds like a big number. But if you think of going to therapy every week between 1994 and 1998, it's not. Yeah, it's actually... Actually, you only that's only a little over two years worth of therapy right. if, it's, if you went every single week. Right. It's like if that had happened in the past two months, sure, that's a lot. But yes. it's really not not a huge amount. Not over two years. Not over four, four years, years. Exactly. At all. But when she was in high school, Davina had swallowed a bunch of Tylenol and had to get her stomach pumped. So they, the people who think it's suicide said that she had, you know, suicidal tendencies in the past. Okay. Right. I mean... Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe she was in high school and... It would be interesting if you uh, forced people to be really honest with you what you could pull out of people's past that would justify something like an act of violence like I, that. I have them. Apps. Everybody does. <laughs> yeah. Fucking high school sucks shit. It sucks shit. And people do stuff and, you know, if you don't have support and you don't have people around you, yeah. you're going to go to therapy a bunch of times. You're going to get, you know, especially depression. I yeah. mean, like... Depression's a fucking bitch. It's rough. So two days before her death, Davina had told her doctor that she experienced suicidal thoughts the previous week that involved wanting to walk out into the ocean until, until quote, until she couldn't swim anymore, mm. which is pretty a passive way of saying that. Yes. It's that thing that I've had in depression where I don't care what happens to me. I almost want something bad to happen to me so I can take my mind off of this, but yeah. I don't ne- really want something bad happening to me. Right. It almost feels like it's a coping mechanism to say, here's what I think I could manage. Right. Here's how much I don't care anymore. Yeah. Um, her doctor referred her to a psychiatrist. She set up an appointment, but the doctor didn't believe the comment warranted hospitalization. In his opinion, it was more of a fleeting thought than like actual suicidal ideation. But he made her promise that she, if she started seriously thinking about suicide, she would call him. And in his opinion, Vina was a low risk for suicide. Yeah. But it is, you know, it is interesting that two days before she said that, you know, you can't, I want to defend her and defend her and defend her, but that is a compelling point. Yeah. And it's, a, it's, you know, at this point, anything is possible. Yeah. But it also makes me think if I had a job um, where I was trying to do what I thought the job was and I was actually getting kind of attacked for it. And, and sexually harassed. Sexually harassed. And there was all these kind of problems. Part of that could have been just, it's the, the, statement I always use is I don't have the bandwidth for it mm. but that could come out as I want to walk into the yeah. sea until I can't swim anymore because what you're saying is I can't deal with yeah. this like help me because I can't deal that's a good point and you think about the fact that she's 33 when she becomes a police officer divi- divorced twice like th- this is probably this exciting new beginning for her yeah and it's not fucking going well yeah it's going badly I would say if yeah you know if if that if she if she's trying to do this thing and then the culture of the island mm-hmm. and the department is saying shut up sit down stop doing your job yeah. and then she's like I, this will be my noble fight it's yeah. tough that's a lot to deal and with and she's looking i mean the fact that she's looking for another job actively means there's like she has some hope 
Right. You know? Yeah, she wants to right. work somewhere else. When Davina's parents, Loy and Harriet, they're just these incredible people. They go to their daughter's house that day, the day she dies. Mm-hmm. Um, and they find, so she had those two dogs, right? They find her back door propped open and there's like this makeshift DIY tunnel so that the dogs can go in and out as they want. Mm-hmm. And friends and family say they'd never seen that kind of setup before. So that led some people to think that she knows she's not coming back anytime soon. Oh. So she wants to let the dogs in and out. Okay. Right. But like who sees their friend's house in the middle of the day when they go to work? Right. And whatever setup you, right. you might have there. Yeah, true. Yeah. But on the flip side, they also find a to-do list on the kitchen table with um, things that she had planned to do after her shift that day. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So because of this information, District Attorney Rex Gore, he influences the medical examiner to rule Davina's death a suicide. Huh. Yeah. So some say that the campaign, some say that it's because the residents of Bald Head Island, they thought their property value would decline if there's like a murder on the fucking island. Um, and it's just, you know, of course, yeah, they're voted in. They're going to get influenced by that. Absolutely. And also, if there if there is a issue with the drug trafficking, which they're like, right. no, I'm going to go out to my vacation house and snort up all the cocaine that I can right. find. They don't want anything interfering with that either. Yeah, yep, totally. Later, there are local, state, and federal independent hearings. Um, they include extensive testimony by experts. So everyone's trying to look into this and, and form their own opinion. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, because the crime scene was so compromised, there's not a lot to go on except looking into Davina's life. Yeah. And figuring it out on their own. And then also looking into the gunshot wound and having their own. It's really an opinion. Right. Can you do that yourself? Can you not? They had all these women of her size try to try to like, um, what's it called? Recreate that. And they re- really weren't able to do it. So in November 2001, uh, District Attorney Rex Gore, he closes the case, calling it a suicide and refuses to reopen it. Wow. So after he closes the criminal investigation, the Buff family files a civil action for the, they want to determine the cause of death. They are horrified to see their, you know, daughter's name dragged through the mud and it, they want it ruled homicide. Yeah. And, ha- you know, have justice. So none of Davina's journals indicate that she had any suicidal thoughts or the type of planning that it would have been necessary to carry out such an elaborate suicide disguised as a murder. It's, mm-hmm. it's pretty complicated. Um, her family says that, quote, losing her was indescribable, but slandering her in death was worse. Yeah, I bet. In 2003, a North Carolina Industrial Commission hearing resulted in the finding that Davina's death was likely a homicide, and they awarded her family $50,000 in death benefits for law enforcement officers. Mm. No, it's good. I mean, yeah, that's what they they didn't want the money. But in 2006, the U.S. Department of Justice awarded the buffs nearly one hundred and forty seven thousand dollars for its public safety officers benefit office. So it's not they're not ruling it different, but they're saying it probably was homicide. Yeah. Um, they're like, in the meantime, right. you should get the benefits in case it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. And there's no hard evidence that it was suicide, so we can't say that it was. Right. In 2011, this dude, John David, he fucking gets Gore out of office in the race for the Brunswick County DA's office. John David criticizes Gore's handling of the case and wants it reopened. And uh, he makes the case file available to a group of retired FBI agents. Oh, here we go. Which I want to fucking sit in that meeting. Hey, hey, there's the bald head island I do want to (laughs) visit. That's right. But the agents, they were like split. 
really again, ha- like not half and half, but again, some thought it was suicide, some thought it pointed to homicide, which just tells you how complicated the case is. Yeah, without any evidence to be used. Right. He conclu- John David concludes that the file will remain open and any new leads will be pursued, so it's not closed anymore. And um, in 2007, Brunswick County Sheriff Ron Hewitt is indicted and found guilty of federal obstructing obstruction charges. He's arrested and investigated for several crimes, including embezzlement, sex harassment and showing up at crime scenes intoxicated. Uh-oh. Don't do that. You're not, it's not allowed, apparently. Apparently. And in 2013, Gore pleads guilty to allegations that he conspired with an assistant DA in fraudulent travel reimbursement schemes. <laughs> and he gets 18 months probation. So the people who are ruling at suicide aren't, like, clean. You right. know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. Um, there have been at least eight separate reviews of Davina's death in the nearly 20 years since she died. Wow. Uh, Loy and Harriet Buff hired private investigators throughout the years, and they co- try to come up with new leads. And Davina's sister, Elaine Buff, wrote a book about the case called Out With Three, The Murder and Betrayal of Baldhead Island Police Officer Davina Buff Jones. And the Buffs scattered Davina's ashes from the pier where she used to go fishing with her grandfather. Mm. I know. But there's no memorial marker for Officer Buff at the spot on the island where she died. And Davina Buff Jones's death is officially classified as undetermined. And that is the mysterious death of Davina Buff Jones. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Isn't that crazy? Also, like, I mean, I want to get into my assumptions because it's like... The, do it, do it, do when, it. Do well, it. when you start talking about, like, the people that were like, it's obviously suicide, I was just like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, no, it is not. It's not obvious. And the idea that she would call in, like, I feel like if she was trying to stage anything, mm-hmm. invol- like, opening her own radio mm-hmm. and involving people, like, letting people overhear anything makes no sense. Right. It's like, yeah, it's, it's, too, it's too tricky. It's very risky. Yeah. Like... I mean, but who knows? But the I feel like it's so difficult to argue with the quote unquote coincidence that she opens her radio, says she's there with three people and then three guys are trying to sneak off the island. hundred percent. That alone, it moves it up into a different category. Yeah. Where. Yeah. I mean, those cases where the people in charge and the people who rule, who like rule with the cases when they are so dead set on one answer. Yes. It just drives me crazy. It's infuriating. Yeah. Well, and also just that over time, I think it's maybe a thing that people are only starting to realize now that like the truth will out. It always mm-hmm. does. And so it might not. I mean, there are definitely times where it doesn't. <laughs> and I don't know. You're right. I'm so negative. But I mean, I think even in the eventual, there's going to be a technology that yeah. like we can set yeah. some drone over there and it can recreate <gasps> the scene and it's impossible to blah, blah, you right. know, that thing. Well, you hope that the, the evidence, like the actual evidence, which is like the wound and, you know, the, I think there were blood spat, there was blood spatter on both her hands. But so why wasn't there, um, gunpowder residue on both her hands, that kind of thing, like yeah. those hard evidence 
uh, point. And then like, yeah, it's just, it's just crazy. And also, how about we pull in the guy that decided to hose the whole scene down? Oh, What's my his background? God. What are any of those decision makers? When are they going to get pulled in the way her personal life has been pulled in and judged and taken apart? And, yeah. you know, every little thing you've ever done. I mean, I think it's very telling that, you know, she, she was confiding and saying things to her therapist, but not enough to put them in her journal. Right. So right. maybe it was the thing of like after she just went through a breakup, you know? Right. And after a long conversation, it's like, oh, I just want to walk into the sea. I 100%. mean, that's like, it's so up to interpretation. Yeah. Ugh. Do you want to hear the audio? Oh, no. Of of her? Yeah. No. Uh, here, you can play it. No, 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 no. I can find it online. Mm-mm. Okay. I mean, I believe you. And the <laughs> Generation Y guys, but no way. That's because she sounds so calm. That's the, like, she sounds like a police officer doing her job and stopping people. Like, I feel like if she had been making the whole thing up, she would have sounded fake panicked. Yes. You know what I mean? There would have been a little, a layer of acting. Acting. And there's no acting. It's, it's this, you know, trained person asking to someone to put the gun down and trying to casually have a conversation with them, not like screaming at them or anything. Right. So it it just is, it's creepy. Yeah. Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant? Like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God. Yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yeah. Hand Mm -hmm. wine. It's February. Crack it. You did your time. I did my time. You served your time. Okay. This story, uh, I actually saw this when one of the pieces of this story broke as a news item. But then recently, one of our listeners, her name's Elise Cheribio. That's her name on Twitter also, at Elise Cheribio. And she sent this and said, this story is unbelievable and it's a survivor story. (gasps) So this is the survivor story of Tiffany Taylor and these New Jersey women who stopped a serial killer. Are you ready? A hundred percent. Oh, that, sorry. There was, uh, I got other information from allthingsinteresting.com. Great, great site. But the 
article that Elise linked me to was from a website called www.northjersey.com. And it was written by a writer named Christopher Mag. But there was also contributing reporters, um, Julia Martin, Tom Nobile, Keldy Ortiz, and Svetlana Shkolnikova. So it's 2016. We start 2016. 33-year-old Tiffany Taylor lives with her mom and her young daughter in Roselle, New Jersey, which is just south of Newark. Okay. <laughs> Where the fuck is Newark? I mean, it's by the Newark airport. <laughs> it's by the airport. Got it, got it, got it. Okay. <laughs> also, she's originally from Jersey City. Um, cute place. I, I don't know it's, about I've that. been. It's actually cute. For real? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. It's cute. I only ever hear, let's like, I've leftover 80s comedy ideas of New Jersey okay. where it's like, New Jersey. Yeah. Everyone's, it, it was always shitting on New Jersey. Yeah. But then all the people I know that are from there yeah. are vigorously proud of being from New Jersey. Totally. So Enough shitting on New Jersey, guys. I mean... Or go ahead. There's great stuff about it. Sure. They have that really big mall. (laughs) (laughs) Good stuff. There's bad stuff. You know, like any place. You know. Okay. Okay. So Tiffany, uh, she was raised in the housing projects, uh, the one called Salem Lafayette Apartments. Mm -hmm. She and her mom moved to uh, Orlando briefly because Tiffany was a professional dancer. Mm. Um, And she went to a place called Valencia College down there to study psychology and music. Cool. Um, But... After a few years there, she gets pregnant unexpectedly. So her and her mom basically move back to New Jersey. Yeah. They move home. Then, okay, so basically once she's back home, Tiffany eventually meets this guy. So it's a guy that her mutual friend's hooking up with. and He's 20 years old. His name's Khalil Wheeler Weaver. Not easy to say. No. They, the two of them, Tiffany and Cleo, get along. Sometimes they hang out, like she's played video games with them, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, nothing big. Yeah. But Khalil starts obsessing Uh-oh. over Tiffany. He asks their mutual friend, the one he's sleeping yeah. with, if, like, how to get him hooked up with Tiffany. Awesome. Um, right? Tiffany's not interested because he's already sleeping with her friend sure. and he's really young. He's a lot younger than her. She's just always turning him down, yeah. telling him to get away from her in spring of 2016 he starts just begging her openly to have sex with him um and and she always says no he eventually starts offering to pay her and it's not until he offers her 200 dollars to sleep with him that tiffany's like sure but she actually has no intention of sleeping with him her plan is she's gonna take that money and rob him basically Mm -hmm. and and not sleep with him okay because she was sick of being treated like a sex object that's actually a quote she ended up giving in one of the new Newspapers. So around eight o'clock on April 10th, 2016, Tiffany goes to Khalil's parents' split level home in Orange, New Jersey. So he lives there with his mom and his stepdad. He meets her at the front door. He gives her $200 cash. Then he walks her up to his bedroom. (laughs) She says he has the tiny bed of a boy. Oh my God. (laughs) A tiny little, what I imagine to be a twin bed. Can you imagine? Maybe shaped like a race car. (laughs) It's the tiny bed of a boy. Maybe a bunk bed? (laughs) I mean, just little. Maybe it's like a slightly cot? larger dog bed. A cot or a dog bed. <laughs> okay. She Once she's in his room, she pretends that she left uh, the condoms that she brought out in the car. She's like, oh, sorry. Let me run out to the car and go get those. She says she'll be right back. Instead, puts that 200 bucks in her pocket and drives away and she never sees him again. Later days. Right? Okay. 
So then soon after that experience, Tiffany's entire life has turned upside down. Her mom is diagnosed with ovarian cancer. The treatments, the medical bills start to pile up. It leaves them penniless. They get evicted from their apartment. They have to live out of Tiffany's car. Oh, God. So when Tiffany finds out she's pregnant with her second child. Getting cancer shouldn't make you fucking live out of your car. It's it's horrifying. That's America today. That's that's unacceptable. It really is. That's not how you... That's not human rights. No, it's not fair. No, it's not fair because you have to be rich to survive cancer. Totally. Totally. It's insane. Guys, let's uh, let's let's fix the system. Fix the healthcare system. Good luck, everybody. (laughs) Okay, so Tiffany decides that she's going to take up sex work. She needs to earn money for this family and for, you know, now it's going to be four people. Yeah. And um, it's who's the fourth person. She already had a child. Oh, I get it. Okay. Her mom, and now she's pregnant again. Got it. So she's like, I have to make money. Okay. Then in November of 2016, she gets a side job from that, um, which is basically picking up crack for someone who pays her just to go pick it up. And that person um, lives in room 32 of the Ritz Motel, which sounds classy, but actually is <laughs> not. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't sound classy. The Ritz, honey. The Ritz We're Motel. The Ritz. <laughs> I fell for it. Oh, I, I like, could have guessed. The Ritz. We're going to the Ritz for high tea. No, that's the Ritz Motel. High high tea is right. (laughs) Real high. Yeah. Crack level high. Yeah. It's on Route 1 in Elizabeth, New Jersey. Oh, sure. Which is where all the great motels <laughs> are. Okay, so around the same time. Okay, so she's basically like this This person's like, if you go get my drugs, I'll pay you for it. Yeah. She's like basically just doing what she can to survive. Yeah. And to make sure her family survives. Um. Around the same time, she starts getting text messages from a stranger who's begging her to pay her for sex. So this is what she's basically already doing. It doesn't shock her. It doesn't come as a surprise. But she doesn't know who the person is. So she just keeps declining. They continue to contact her even after she gets a new phone. He somehow finds her new number and hits her up again. She says no until uh, he offers more money. And then she on November 15th, 2016, she finally decides the price that he offers is going to be worth the risk of not knowing who this person is. And again, her plan, she She's going to go get that money and then Ugh. and rob him. That scares me. OK, so Tiffany decides to meet this John that night outside the Ritz. Sure. Um, around eight. They're <laughs> at the valet. Oh, out at the valet. She's like, says goodbye to her boss. Yeah. Thanks so much. I picked up enough hours this week. I'm going to grab some cucumber water on my way out. Just and I might just put those on my eyes and lay in the chaise lounge yeah, yeah, in, the, yeah. in the waiting room. Oh, oh sure. The waiting room. <laughs> the waiting room at the Ritz. <laughs> It's this gorgeous. Oh, didn't you? You've never heard of the waiting room at the Ritz? It's the classiest fucking place. So it's 50 degrees outside. And when the guy shows up, he's dressed in a black hoodie, black gloves and a black ski mask. Mm-mm. Wait, what? Yep. But no. Tiffany's like, oh, he must be cold. No. Yes. She doesn't red flag it at all. Is the key? Is the ski mask like around his face or like a beanie? I think it's since it says ski mask instead of beanie or hat that he's wearing a mask. Okay, I have a problem. Okay. Right. It's not good. Yeah. But she's like, I need to get this money. You know, she's yeah. in it. She's in a bad place. Okay. So he gives her 80 bucks up front. Um, then she borrows <laughs> the phrase. <laughs> Jay did this research for me. And he keeps referring to the person she runs and gets crack for as her boss. <laughs> Jay. I mean, that's her very boss. fair of him. But it is technically her boss. Yeah. 
So she borrows her boss's burgundy Lincoln sedan. <laughs> it's probably also how it's described in the newspapers yeah. or whatever. But she borrows this burgundy Lincoln sedan and they drive. They basically leave the Ritz motel. Okay. They pull away. And then as they go, he asks her after a little while to pull over because he has to pee. So... She doesn't know what happens next because he either hit her over the back of the head mm-hmm. with a blunt object or she had an iced tea that she had mm. in between the two of them in a cup holder. And she was like, I was so out cold. He could have drugged me. Wow. And because when she woke up, her head was pounding. So she knew that was something either she was struck or drugged. Um, but she wakes up. She's in the backseat of the link and her hands are handcuffed behind her back. Mm. Her mouth and nose are wrapped with duct tape and he has her pinned by the throat and he's raping her. Oh my God. So this causes her, she like wakes up to this nightmare scene. She bites her tongue so hard it starts to bleed. Oh my God. The blood, between the blood and the tears coming out of her eyes, the, it loosens up all the duct tape. Wow. So she starts screaming. He takes off the ski mask and he says, do I look familiar? Do you remember me? You took my money. And that's when she realizes it's it's Khalil Wheeler Weaver. Oh, my God. She begs him not to kill her. She explains, please don't kill me. I'm four months pregnant. And he just simply states, I know. (gasps) And that's when she realizes he's going to kill her. Okay, now. Now we're going to go. We're going to change the story. We're going to change the time frame. Okay, you're going to leave me here. Yeah. Sorry. We're going to put a pause on that. Okay. Because we have to tell a different story. Okay, here we go. So we're going to talk about Robin West. Uh, She is a rebellious, adventurous young woman from Philadelphia. Mostly she lives with her mom in West Philly, but she also spends time with her dad, who is a Philadelphia school district police officer and assistant church pastor. Mm -hmm. Uh, He lives in North Philly and she goes to church with her mom on Sundays. She sings in the choir. Sometimes she even sings lead, which damn girl, she must be good because that's where all the good singers are. But as she grows up, her rebellious side takes over. She she won't stick to curfew. She argues with both parents a ton. When she's 14 years old, she gets sent to a place called Wordsworth Academy, which is a treatment center for young people with behavioral and or mental health issues. But it's it's yeah. not as nice as it sounds. No. And actually, the living conditions are terrible there. There's allegations of counselors who beat and abuse <sighs> and even rape the students that go there. Oh, my God. So Robin goes there and she makes two great friends there, Tracy Johnson and Bernicia Patterson. And they're like sisters, the three of them. Yeah. So when Robin gets out. She's still struggling with depression. She still fights with her mom. So when she turns 18, she moves out of the house and starts, tries to make it on her own. Yeah. Um, she starts stripping to earn a living. Her friends and family keep track of her on Facebook, but she's, she kind of is like off tr- trying to make it yeah. and do her thing. Yeah. So one day, August 2016, Robin and Bernicia decide to go to New Jersey together. They, remember, they're from Philly. Mm-hmm. At first, I was confused. I'm like, what this is uh, New Jersey. <laughs> So they're from Philly. They go to New Jersey. They stay at the Garden State Motor Lodge in Union Township, which is about 15 miles outside of Manhattan. It's the Ritz of Union Township. It's <laughs> it's the Ritz Motel of, U- of Union Township. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> They've got a waiting room. Putting on the Ritz. Yeah. Um, it's like a dish with three old Ritz crackers in it. And, and then you go to take one because you think they're complimentary. It's like, that's $11. Oh, $11 for a Ritz. They pulled a Ritz on you. <laughs> 
Okay, so essentially they stay there for a few days. They run out of cash. They decide to turn tricks to get money. Robin isn't experienced in this. Isn't something she does. She's just been dancing. Bernicia shows her the ropes. August 31st, 2016, around 11 o'clock at night. Robin and Bernicia, they walk on um, Newark's Nye Avenue. And that goes through a really bad neighborhood where it's like abandoned lots, burned out buildings, Hmm. rough stuff. Mm -hmm. But that's where... It's the sex workers go to get find John's. Mm -hmm. So they're, they're hanging out there. A man in a silver sedan pulls up. He starts talking to Robin. So Bernicia, the genius goes over and writes down the man's license plate number in her phone and saves it. Smart. So when Robin gets into the car to go have a date with this man, Bernicia tells the man, be careful with my sister because I love her. So. Robin is now in the car with this John. He drives her to an abandoned house at 472 Lakeside Avenue in Orange. He spends an hour inside and he leaves at 1.27 a.m. 23 minutes later, a neighbor calls 911 to report this abandoned house on fire. (gasps) When firefighters show up and put out the flames, they find a body inside. And the lead arson investigator and firefighter, Matthew Pichero, um, who works for the Orange Fire Department, and he's been investigating um, arson for 17 years, Mm -hmm. describes what they found as the most destructed body I've ever come across. Oh, God. So the next day, when Robin doesn't show up, Bernicia reports her missing. Mm -hmm. Um, She gives the police the license plate number of the man whose car she got into from the night before. They link it to a silver BMW. Two weeks later, on September 13th, 2016, investigators uh, are able to use dental records to identify the body of Robin West. And it's just eight days after her 20th birthday. (sighs) That's so sad. Okay. Now we go to uh, another story. This is the story of Joanne. Her nickname is Billy Joe Brown. She's one of eight kids, um, two girls and six boys. She's born in Augusta, Maine. When she's five years old, her family moves to New York, New Jersey. She has bipolar and dis, uh, schizophrenia, but her friends and family describe her as warm and fun-loving. Um, when she gets older, which is very common with a lot of people with mental illness, mm-hmm. she, she um, self-medicates with drugs. Mm-hmm. And she begins working as a an exotic dancer and a sex worker. She uses the alias London. So her family and friends are very concerned that she's gone into this line of work. They ask her to stop. Um, she tells them it's she's not giving it up and it's her livelihood and it's how she's making money. Yeah. But eventually she does end up going to a, a, a place for drug addiction. She gets housing, counseling, drug treatment, but it's too hard for her to live that structured lifestyle. Yeah. So she keeps on doing her sex work and she skips her counseling appointments. So on October 22nd, 2016, Billy Joe, who is now 33, and her friend Amina Nobles, they're hanging out near uh, Popeye's on the south side of Newark and at 1.16 in the afternoon, a man shows up in a silver sedan and uh, he starts talking to Joanne. She agrees to take him as a client. Normally, when she leaves with a client, she'll call and meet her friend Amina and tell her where she's going and when she'll be back. Mm-hmm. That's usually the setup they have. But she had lent her friend a phone before she left. So she asks this John if she can use his phone instead. Mm-hmm. He says yes. She calls Amina at one thirty from the car, and basically gives her the information. So, God, it's 
It's just so the thought of having to call your friend to tell them where you are every time. Yeah. It's just, you know, you're at risk and you still have to do it anyway. You have to do it. It's just so sad. What a, what a hard life to live. Yeah. Okay. So they drive to an abandoned house at 354 Highland Avenue in Orange, New Jersey. And they go inside this John wraps Joanne Billy Joe Brown's head (gasps) in duct tape. He strangles her with a jacket and he leaves her on the second floor landing. So at 309, Amina uh, Nobles gets a call from the number that Joanne had called her from at uh, 116. Yeah. And she basically picks up the phone and says London because that's the the fake name she used. The caller says nothing and then hangs up. So Amina calls back three or four times, but he doesn't pick up the phone again. Creepy. Yeah. So she goes to the Newark police and reports Joanne missing. Now we're going back to Tiffany Taylor's attack. It's on November 15th, 2016. She's so they're in the backseat of her boss's Lincoln sedan. Mm Uh, so in the, the middle of this attack, she's screaming, crying. Then she thinks quickly and she realizes she tells him that the handcuffs are way too tight and asks him to loosen them. And he does. And when he does that, she realizes that she can get the upper hand here. Yeah. So she li- will later say, quote, once he agreed to that in my head, I said, I got him. He's weak. Wow. Yeah. So. She keeps talking to him. She reminds him that he texted her and their entire conversation is on her phone, which is back at the motel. And that if the police find it, he's screwed. And this actually plants like a real seed in his brain. He starts to get nervous. And he was like, we have to go back and get your phone. And he climbs into the driver's seat and heads Mm. back to the motel. Mm. Tiffany's still in the back seat. And she's double jointed. No. So she manages to slip a hand out of her handcuffs. Dude. Yes. Okay. So then she makes this plan in her head. She's like, if he drives past the motel, I'm going to sit up. I'm going to put these handcuffs around his <gasps> neck and strangle him. And then even if we crash, yeah. at least I'll kill him. A hundred percent. Is what she's thinking in her head. Then she's like, but if he stops at the motel, then I'll run. Yeah. So... He stops. Oh, my God. So she puts her hand back into the handcuffs. Yeah. And he lets her out of the car. He puts a jacket over her shoulders to hide the handcuffs. He leads her to the room of door 32, her boss's hotel motel Fuck. room at the Ritz. He says, go in and get the phone and come back out. She kicks the door like to knock yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. The boss answers. She runs inside and slams it behind her and deadbolts it. Yeah. He's shocked. He can't believe like he's shocked. Uh, he screams, come back outside. She goes into the window and just shows the handcuffs come only dangling off one hand. Oh, my God. And then he runs. Okay. So she texts him. This is the most amazing part. She texts him and says, you need to bring back the keys to the Lincoln. And if you just drop the keys off, I won't call the cops because it's her boss's car. And like, you don't steal my boss's car. Totally. He fucking does it. Dude. But she's already called the cops. Yeah, she has. So when he comes back. (laughs) Oh, my God. To drop off the car keys. The police are there. So there's surveillance footage catching him dropping the keys on the doorstep and running away. (laughs) I'm on the edge of my fucking seat right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> Isn't this incredible? Incredible. It's incredible. I mean, it, yes, it's horrible. It's horrible. It's the beautiful, shining human story of when you're in the shit and you fucking turn it around for yeah. yourself. Because it's like she bit her own tongue and then loosened the duct tape. Like, so she could talk him out of the uh. and every little tiny get and gain that she got yeah. she used and used to her advantage yeah it's amazing okay so he's still there basically they they ca- the surveillance tape sees him go and drop the thing off mm-hmm. he's still there when the cops show up at 9 28 p.m he drive they let the cops let him drive away in his own car and she and then the police come and interview her she basically says here's what he did to me here's how he attacked me you know my whole head was duct taped mm-hmm. um here's his phone number here's his home address here's his facebook account mm-hmm. here's his full legal name khalil wheeler weaver um she shows the injuries on her body the handcuff that's still on her wrist they don't believe her because she's a sex worker because they're at the ritz motel God on it, it probably because she's a woman of color yeah. on and on right the God. usual bullshit damn it they accuse her of sex work they threaten to arrest her for what that the f- Fuck. After an hour of back and forth, and as she said, being treated, quote, like trash, they will, the cops leave. I just don't have the words. That's... Well, it gets worse. Insane. Of course, because seven days after Tiffany's attack, no. he strikes again. No, she tried to fucking stop she it. She tried to stop it, and she did, she did like, superhuman yeah. things to stop it, and... and yeah, that's... It's on them. That's the thing. It has to change. Yeah. It has to change. Yeah. Okay. So, now we have to talk about the final victim okay. that, d- you know, could have, could have been avoided. Didn't have a chance. Sarah Butler is one of three girls. Uh, her parents were Jamaican immigrants who worked hard to make the best life for their family in Montclair, New Jersey, which is just north of Newark. Mm-hmm. She works several jobs during high school. She buys herself her own car. She's a dancer who practiced tire practices tirelessly with her own dance troupe or with a dance troupe. I don't know if it's hers. Uh, June in June of 2016, they actually her and her dance troupe. They get to be on amateur night at the Apollo. Nice. They come in third place. Oh my God. They actually, they place on it. I mean, that's a big fucking deal. Totally. That audience doesn't like anybody. <laughs> After she graduates from high school, she goes to uh, New Jersey city university. She's the p- first person in her family to go to college. Wow. But she does have trouble adjusting there. So, and making friends. She's like, doesn't you know she feels like she doesn't have enough friends Mm -hmm. so in november of 2016 she joins the social media platform tagged never heard of it. never heard of it yeah um steven's on it (laughs) Um, writing he's like oh i gotta get an account quick steven's like like, big cat 632 he's like i gotta get the percasting account before someone steals it jurassic cat party 987 plus mustaches Mustache cat party, <laughs> eight three uh, eight. Okay, so somebody with the username Lil Yacht Rock messages her with just a phrase, "sex for dollar sign?" Oh, question dear. mark. Poet, she, right? She writes back, "Wow, well, how much?" 
<laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> like, I mean, okay, yeah. what are you, what are we doing here? He asks how much she wants. She says $500. He agrees. Okay. She's like, what is, like, yeah. what's happening? She writes back, you're not a serial killer, right? Oh. LMAO. He writes back, no. What does LMAO mean? Laughing my ass off. Got it. <laughs> Did you really not know that? I've never known, and I see it all the time, <laughs> and I've just never asked anyone. <laughs> <laughs> That's like that grandma move where I, yeah. lots, they think LOL means lots of love. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. so sorry about the death of your mother, LOL. LOL. Oh, God. That's my favorite. That one and when Facebook first started coming out and you could tag people to a picture uh -huh. and grandparents would start to write grandma, but it would turn into Grandmaster Flash. <laughs> Yeah, because someone had, that would had already been used so I've many times. Never heard this. So people, yeah, so people would get like family pictures, and Grandmaster Flash would be tagged in every single one of them because their grandma was trying to write. That's like, the best thing I've ever grandma's heard. house <laughs> at Grandmaster Flash's house. Oh my god, isn't that the best? So basically, he, as I said, he says no. They make plans to meet up, but she gets cold feet and she stands him up. Also, let me just say this. Sarah Butler was not a sex worker. She was a student. Yeah. It's circumstances for all of them. It's, it's circumstances. It's circumstances. It's circumstances. And uh, it makes me think of, did you hear that um, Harvey Weinstein's female lawyer recently said, because somebody asked her, like, uh, what would you do <sighs> if this was you? And she said, I would never put myself in that position. That, that is it's, fucking cunt. It's how dare you uh, but here's here's how they dared this is the rationalization this is it's this weird leftover problem from women my age and older because that's the the only line that ever got fed to anybody which is you it's on you to prevent right a rapist attacking you. It's on you. Yeah. And that's what all of culture said. And that's what all of other people said. And there was no social media with super cool feminist writers that were going, absolutely not. It's the rapist that needs to stop raping. Yeah. And like that, it's just such an old mindset. But the idea, like these days to hear it back now. Yeah. Is, so, to, so to hear that a woman was sexually assaulted, it's like another point in your favor because yet again, but it's never happened to you. And so, you must be doing something right and you know what I mean like instead right. of that being it's you just never know I would love to actually crack that open though and really see what's behind that because I can't believe that a woman that's that's a very successful defense uh, attorney actually believes that I can't believe it and I I can't believe it and I can't believe that she would say it unless she is just an absolute like mercenary sociopath that simply doesn't give a shit about other women well, or other people that's, I think that's what it is is you hate other women you also don't know the nuances of sexual assault and you or you want to blame you just want to blame or you'll do anything for the money your client is giving right. you which includes basically telling like a bold-faced lie you can't control the situation no. you can't control that you would like to think you could make you feel psycho. safer yeah it makes you feel safer and it makes you feel superior like, like you have you're some saying. control over your life sorry and it makes you it makes it so that you don't have to empathize with harvey weinstein's fucking victims victims exactly and yeah, it, you don't have to empathize. You don't have to feel like shit for being a fucking, for defending Harvey Weinstein. Well, and also because it, it just also then takes 
the focus, which happens all the time in in sexual assault situations and cases, the focus magically gets taken off the rapist. And we're suddenly talking about what the victims did or didn't do to deserve what they got. Fuck you. Bullshit. Yeah, we could go on and on. Okay. Okay. We could go on forever. Okay, so... Essentially, she thinks it's like she's flirting with somebody on this app and talking about stuff. So they make plans to meet up. She gets cold feet and stands him up. Okay. Two days later, she changes her mind and messages him. Sorry about the other day. I got really nervous. I feel like an ass. Your Mm -hmm. voice and your pick don't seem like a match. He tells her I'm a really cool guy when you get to know me. On the night of November 22nd, 2016, Sarah does her hair, red extensions in a ponytail, and she borrows her mom's blue vin- minivan, and she meets up with who she knows to be Lil Yacht Rock at the address he gave her, which happens to be the abandoned house at 354 Highland Avenue in Orange, New Jersey. When mm. she pulls up to the house, it's 9.55 p.m., and Khalil... Wheeler Weaver gets in to her car. She drives to a 7-Eleven. Surveillance cameras capture him buying condoms. He then has Sarah drive up to a wooded hillside of a park called Eagle Rock Reservation. And up there, there's a restaurant called High Lawn Pavilion. And it's like up on a cliff. Mm -hmm. Um, He directs her to the back of the restaurant's valet lot behind a green trailer. I'm sure she thinks that they're driving to like go make out or hook up or whatever. Um, Instead, he attacks her. He wraps her head in duct tape. He rapes her. And then he strangles her to death with a pair of sweatpants. Oh, my heart hurts for her. It's awful. When he removes the duct tape... He takes off some of her red extensions with it. He drops her body behind the trailer and basically puts leaves and twigs over it. Mm. When Sarah doesn't show up the next morning, her mom calls her cell phone. It goes right to voicemail. So they, the, her family reports her missing. Yeah. Three days later on November 25th, 2016, Bassania's friend um, spots the, and I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing that name wrong, yeah. but that's what it looks like. They spot the family's blue minivan um, in this, in that same lot. So Bassania and her friend Lamia Brown, along with the police, go check it out. And that's when they see Sarah's hair extension. So knowing she's in danger, Lamia and Bassania drive to Sarah's house. Uh, Lamia knows her Sarah's laptop password. Mm -hmm. So they log in to see if Sarah's been chatting with anyone. And that's when they find the conversation with Lil Yacht Rock and they get this idea. So they have another friend named Samantha Rivera create a fake account (gasps) and start chatting with him. Oh, my God. A day later. The three women are at the police station giving another statement about Sarah's disappearance. When Lil Yacht Rock messages Samantha, he says his name is Taj and he tells her everything he was telling Sarah, basically offering money for sex and saying, let's go hook up. So the texts turn into a phone call with Taj while they're at the police station. So Bassania pulls out her phone and takes a video of Samantha having the conversation. (laughs) Yes, it's it's all there. The women trick him into meeting up at a nearby Panera Bread. Then two detectives take the women's place and meet him there. Holy shit. So when he shows up, he gives police his real name, which is Khalil Wheeler Weaver. The police question him. There's no body. There's no clear evidence that he has anything to do with Sarah's disappearance. They still don't know where Sarah is and they can't, there's there's nothing to arrest him on. Yeah. So they talk to him and they let him go. But they continue the investigation. They use Sarah Butler's phone to trace her last movements. They see that there's a ping um, shown 
to be the Eagle Rock Reservation. And on December 1st, 2016, police go to that location and they find Sarah's Mm. body there. So four days after that, on December 5th, 2016, two housing contractors arrive at 354 Highland Avenue in Orange and they go to inspect the house because the um, owners want to sell it. And when they get there, they find the body of Joanne Billy Joe Brown. She's oh. this the second victim who he left on the stairs. They they, they never found she was her. just missing. Oh shit. Yeah. So police now realize they have a serial killer on their hands yeah. and that all the women in these cases are connected. So on December 6, 2016, police arrest Khalil Wheeler Weaver, but it takes them three years to build their case against him. Huh. When the police question him, he lies to their faces. He shows them where he met the woman. He claims he returned them all safely and soundly. None of it's true. And it isn't until they look into his phone records that they actually get the evidence that they need. Mm. So the phone actually shows he was at every location where each girl was murdered those fucking pings man yeah you can't you can't do it anymore you can't and but and also you can't do it anymore because he googled things like quote how to kill people with bleach and quote (laughs) homemade poisons to kill humans and he also googled (laughs) police entrance exam practice test (gasps) yeah oh yes which is kind of a weird common thing with serial killers. A lot of them want to go into police work. Or like are super interested in in what in police yeah. stuff. Probably because they want to outsmart them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so Tiffany Taylor does not find out about Khalil's arrest from the police. She reads about it in the paper three weeks after her attack and subsequent escape. Wow. So they don't even reach out to say, we got this guy. We yeah, arrested him. Because we didn't believe you to begin with. Right. When Khalil is arraigned in New York in Newark court on December 13th, 2016, Tiffany Taylor is there. Yes. And she goes back in February of the following year when he um is indicted for three counts of murder, one count of attempted murder aggravated arson, desecration of human remains, aggravated sexual assault, and kidnapping. And at this point, of course, her mistrust of police and of, you know, like the system. Yeah. yeah. But in the this system entirely, she fears them. She doesn't trust them. It has not worked for her. But she still shows up to testify against this guy in court. Incredible. She faces him from the witness stand as she describes her attack, which is the exact same MO of the three murdered women. Mm. Um, she is quoted as saying, quote, I want him to see me. I want him to know it was me. Wow. And it is Tiffany Taylor's testimony that seals Khalil's fate because on December 19th, 2019, just three months ago, the jury finds Khalil Wheeler Weaver guilty of 11 felonies, including murder, attempted murder, kidnapping and aggravated arson. He is still awaiting sentencing. And that is the tragic story of the murders of Robin West, Joanne Brown and Sarah Butler and the amazing survival story of Tiffany Taylor. Wow. Just happened. Wow. Just happened. That is incredible. So when Sarah Butler was murdered, 
that that was an article that I remember reading online because of the thing where she said, LOL, are you a serial killer? And that yeah. was kind of the how they pulled all that out. But I don't think they knew about yeah. um, the stories of the other victims and how much they intertwined and how much, you know, Tiffany Taylor, like she couldn't have had more proof. She couldn't have had more evidence. <laughs> she had she, fucking handcuffed on, on. on her person. Yeah. And she was dismissed because of what she did for a living. And that is incredible. I'm so glad I went first and don't have to follow that because <laughs> there's just no way. Oh my god! Yeah, it's it's incredible. It's an, that's such it's such a good story. Thank you, thank you so much, Elise. You, Elise. That was such a good suggestion. A plus, a plus work. Amazing. I, I honestly, for the first time in my life, I'm speechless. <laughs> As the baby sister, I can say the first time in my life. For the life. first time, you have no retort. I can't believe that. I know. It's incredible. Wow. And also just the bravery of Tiffany Taylor to go show up to the man that violently yeah. and brutally attacked her and was just like, goodbye. Yeah. It's me. Yeah. And the friends of the victims yep. who wouldn't let go and, you know. Sister and friends, I yeah. know. And friends that are closest sisters. That's it's beautiful. Right. It's beautiful. Wow. Great job. Thank you. Great job. It Thank reminds you. me of the Alaskan story that you did recently, too, a little bit. Yes. Of, like, survivors not being believed. Right. You know? And having to basically just power forward anyway. Right. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. So, <laughs> what's your fucking array what's now? What's your fucking because array? mine is possums, <laughs> and I don't want that to be right. I, there, it can't be possums that are visiting my patio like it just can't be it has to be something else so let me let me think um mine's possums <laughs> and it can't be so let me think well no this is it's not connected these are like now this yeah. is just the it's what's making like a, you happy it's the palate cleanser it's the thing of we focus on these stories because we want to hear these stories right we we embrace these stories we want to lift up these stories but also we have to then right put them down and make sure <laughs> that reminds me when vince watched all episodes of the ted bundy doc yep. which he was so into and we were just like commenting it was so good vince is becoming such a good feminist <laughs> um at the end he was like i'll meet you downstairs for bed in a minute because i need a palate cleanser and has to watch something like lighthearted. yes so he totally has that too he can't he can watch these horrible things but has to have a palate cleanser 100 so percent. this is yeah that's that's what we're doing um so mine's possums <laughs> well so we have it like we have a balcony patio thing and there's a tree that animal we've realized animals climb up to and we've seen raccoons and we have squirrels and uh <laughs> so last night there was a little baby possum and so I just kept throwing food. We just kept throwing food out, and it looks like we're composting on the patio, but really we're just throwing all our fruit and vegetables. Out so the possums because I love possums. Yeah. So it's and Dottie's so into it, and it's just really exciting because she will absolutely eat one of those possums if she uh, gets outside. They're bigger than her. Oh, are they? Yeah. But she's just like yeah, it's like watching TV for her. Yeah. But I yeah, I just love those animals. Um, What's yours? I possums. Think, <laughs> I think it is this. Somehow, I am in all of my... Um, the thing I never thought I would be able to do in this life is not the second a feeling struck me, believe it and go with it, and then basically my mouth would go connected mm -hmm. to it. Sure. That, I remember talking about wanting to do that long ago, 
and then just being like, this is never going to happen. Yeah. <laughs> never going to happen. Yeah. Um, kind of being overtaken by storylines and, oh, and story writing and kind of future thinking and my, pretend mind reading and all those things. And you get, and you feel and you get the emotions that go along with it, which aren't healthy because they're, not, they're real. not real. They're not I, real. I've made myself cry from imaginary scenarios. Oh my God. I, it's like one of my pastimes. <laughs> Working through scenarios. Yeah. And there was, um, I can't even remember. It wasn't anything big. Um, but I remember t- j- just this week talking to my therapist about having a moment where there was like a feeling struck me that was big and sad. And then instead of the reaction, going straight to the reaction, just going, Ooh, what's happening here? <laughs> and then like, and not being so, um, because it's this feeling that I'm interpreting as negative. Uh, I have to do something about it right now. And I have to convince that it's not that yeah. or I have to whatever to like caretake around you this. have to manically control it in yes. whatever way you can you have to manically control it, it doesn't feel good no because and the idea is if i don't manically control it then it like then the bad feeling is just going to expand and take over and i will like be annihilated essentially mm-hmm. and so the practice of actually just having a feeling and not doing anything at all which is brand new and i th- i'm sure there's some people that are like what the fuck are you talking about no but there's That's so many I more do. people who are like thank you <laughs> yeah it's weird it's just like to have a feeling that is strong and negative and not do anything about it not say anything not use anything not eat anything not drink anything just to sit and be like this is interesting because I observe it yeah which is like I remember when we used to talk about that say eight years ago and I just be like I'd kind of nod and smile Mm -hmm. but in my head I was like impossible like ridiculous this is stupid to even talk about I don't know it's that it's I think also because our lives are calming down so much Mm -hmm. and this kind of strange explosion that has been a true blitz Like as great as it's been and no complaints and all the things we always say, but a huge adjustment and very threatening to me. Very (laughs) threatening. Yeah. Because there's nothing scarier to me than potential happiness. That's just like... You might as well come at me with a gun. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, so all these kind of like, you know, m- m- reactions to fix or prevent, which is the intention. Mm-hmm. And then the thing that actually happens is kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? And or then you saying? also don't let anything in. So like, whether it's positive or not, like the positive thoughts and the daydreams, like how nice would that be instead of the everyone hates me? You know, yes. I think Jay thinks I'm lazy and it like hit me <laughs> this week that I'm like, it hit me this week that I'm not lazy. Like, that's always been my voice in my head that sure. I'm lazy and I'm lazy and I'm lazy. And then I'm like, there's no time to be lazy. Maybe Jay doesn't think I'm our assistant. And also it's like, he's not thinking things like that. I really don't think he is. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, because that would be like, you've decided that's the worst thing you could be. And right. therefore, oh, that must mean someone thinks that. Yeah. Like, And then now I have to do a thing to make sure that goes away. Oh, God. And instead, 
that idea that maybe just the feeling being able to build up a tolerance to negative feelings and watch them sit there and then watch them go away is like, I remember trying to do this when I like lived in Chicago when my life was also very terrible and there was kind of no silver lining whatsoever. And I would listen to the like Pema children getting unhooked. I would listen to the here's what Buddhists do and I'd just be like that's impossible. What are they talking about? But you know those negative emotions and those negative thoughts at the time might have been helpful for you because they got you out of a situation you didn't want to be in. Yes. Right. So like the, like the negative feelings, the negative emotions, the shit that I have, it's like it totally served a purpose at some point in my life. I just haven't caught up to the fact that it's not working anymore. And there's time. It's time for a new Yes. Or, or like you're in the, in that middle area where you're like, I'm, pr- I don't think this is working anymore, but there's no way I'm letting go yeah. of this, of this fake steering wheel. Right. Cause I have to drive this car. And it's yeah. like, no, sorry, you're Maggie Simpson. You're not driving the car. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> you're, you're high if you think you're driving this car. Amazing. Right. <laughs> so just getting like this handle on, there's also the option to do nothing, which I think it's a thing of like, and sorry, cause I know this is going No, I love it. I need it. It's just all my life. That was my it was like, I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to make a joke. I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to talk super loud. I'm uncomfortable. I'm going to be mean to somebody else. I had like five options. Yeah. And I didn't like any of them. But they were I it was like I didn't have a choice. I noticed last last night we were in fucking meetings all day yesterday. And I noticed you did a thing where you yelled at me about something. And I was like, I know. And then you were like, I know. Like you didn't yelled back at me you that sounds terrible but like you know you you got mad at me about something understandably and it was just like oh yeah okay instead of like us fighting about it right yeah because i fuck it up sometimes my reactions are like the scale is incorrect and it's also i talk to you like i talk to my sister yeah which isn't accurate <laughs> to our relationship your sister, no, like, your sister can scream back at you and also that's all my whole family yeah. it's literally like turn out the light and, and like, i'm like why are they mad at me they hate me why are they light on? i'm so stupid i can't believe the fucking light on this whole time god georgia <laughs> you're over there going jay thinks i'm lazy and i'm like turn the thing <laughs> it's like we we are perfectly set up to like trigger each other but it's that thing of like then then I would normally be in a reaction of I just did that wrong, but I can't be wrong. So I have to make you yeah. wrong yeah, and yeah, then yeah. blah, 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 as opposed to drop it. Yeah. Just drop it. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Oops. Didn't mean to say it like that. Oops. You can absolutely go back real time. Yeah. I can. I it should totally say. Totally. Wor- I mean, I can. As someone who. Yeah, it works. It works. It works. Immediately apologize. Immediately go, oops, shouldn't have yelled that. Yeah. Spent, I just spent five days with Jim Kilgariff. Everything <laughs> is on volume 11. My apologies. Where it doesn't have to be a thing. And I don't, everything isn't this, like you're saying, it's not this proof that I'm this fucking right. the worst person. It's all just like human reaction. That's what everyone does. And, it, in and different it's been ways. working for us for so long. Maybe there's a better way. And you know what I think is like, I think that at the very center of the circle is the podcasting sweater. <laughs> and I think that it's time for you to give it to me. <laughs> oh my God, I'm handing it. To no, we'll both wear it. We'll wear half you, and half. You do not have to give it to me. <laughs> I'll get you one. <laughs> you knit me one. I will fucking, I'll learn how to fucking knit. Knit. And I'll sit in front of the TV <laughs> and I'll fucking knit you as well. So I, look Proof. at me. I had to make a joke because I was so. I know. Okay. I was going to say, prove you're not lazy and knit me a sweater. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't do that anymore. Fuck you. (laughs) 
I will not be oppressed by my own ideas. Oh my God. Is that, That's I mean, sad. that one? Or should I have said possums? <laughs> Cleaner, said opossums. shorter. Opossums. Opossums. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, we've done it again. We did it again. There, take it. All of us together, holding hands. <laughs> we were skipping. Barfing it out. We barfed it all out. Telling the stories. Um, um, suggest, suggest more stories for us because these have been really helping us. Oh my God, we've been getting great suggestions. Thank you all for participating. Yeah. Also, people are being very thoughtful about the stories they're suggesting. Yeah. It's really cool. Yeah, that and then, oh shit, we were going to do fucking hoorays. Isn't people that... have been telling us our fucking, their fucking hoorays and we were going to oh, read right. some of them. And Jay printed them out for us. Yeah, and then we completely forgot because we didn't record last week. <laughs> so our brains <laughs> that much. We have them capacity. somewhere. Yeah, we'll do it now. We're going to read you back your fucking hoorays next week. So if you want to comment... Um, I literally thought you forgot we just did it. Where I'm like, did I talk so long you forgot that I wasn't oh. doing a fucking hooray? <laughs> You're like, that story was great. So anyways, possums. <laughs> Do it. Possums. No. <laughs> the other one. Stay sexy. <laughs> Don't get murdered. Goodbye. Goodbye. Elvis, you want a cookie? <laughs>